the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining me. My name is Jeremy Stoniker. I am your host, and this is the show where we do our very best three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Just throwing that out there so you're ready. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We do our best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Uh, So much happening in the world, so much happening in the political arena, the political world. If you are in a red state, and if you're listening to this, uh, I'm assuming, and maybe a bad assumption, but I'm assuming you at least lean conservative. And so you have conservative values, perhaps, perhaps conservative family values, but you may live in a state that's not conservative. I live in a state that is not conservative. In fact, the poster child of not conservative states is California. That's where I live. Although I live in a very conservative community, a very conservative county, and uh, live around very conservative people, my state, uh, not known for conservatism. But there is a state, there are many, but there is one in particular that seems to be leading the way when it comes to understanding how conservatives can lead, what happens if conservatives do lead, and providing for many a model of what uh, we should expect or what we should at least uh, aspire for in our own states, and that is the state of Florida. We've talked a little bit about Florida politics even in the last couple of weeks, and uh, we're going to do that again today with uh, a guest who's been involved in Florida politics, writing about it, campaigning, um, very involved in what's happening in Florida and uh, even writes on this. And we're going to talk about it for really one big reason, just as we did a few weeks ago, because we need to learn lessons. There are a lot of lessons to be learned from Florida and things that we can do, actionable things that we can do. We talk even in this interview today about starting locally and what that looks like and why that is important, um, how good leadership can change the culture politically of a state and a community. And I'm very grateful to be able to do that. We need hope and we need direction. We need a model to follow. Florida is that in many ways. And my guest, Javier Manjaras, has been involved in this for a long time and grateful to have him on with us today. My guest today is Javier Manjaras. Javier is the publisher of the Florida politics site, Florida, uh, FloridianPress.com. I'll get it right, I promise. FloridianPress.com, political consultant and author. Javier, thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Um, there's a lot of I'd love to talk about, but I'd like to start by just getting your story. Um, and I think that's really important here, particularly as we talk about um, you know, various voting demographics and some of the other things we can talk about. Right. But um, give us your background, your story, and how you kind of came to where you are right now in the political arena, political world. Well, believe it or not, I got my start uh, in politics uh, after a really bad breakup with the next nightmare of mine. <laughs> and so to kill the time, I had to sure. get, I, I figured, hey, let's get into politics, you know. Yep. And so yep. that drove me, one thing led to another, and then uh, I started writing, and then uh, I got involved in the 2010 election here in Florida, which was a huge year because it brought on Senator Rubio and yep. led the road to uh, 
to Rick Scott another, and Ron DeSantis a couple years later. So that's how I started. Uh, background is very simple, Colombian American. I live in South Florida. So unlike you, I speak very fluent Spanish. <laughs> and I pick yes. up Portuguese. <laughs> yes. Um, so you went from one, one bad relationship to another bad relationship called politics in America. Right. Which, uh, well, listen, <laughs> well, listen, politics brought me together to my, with my wife and my three kids, and I'm good. That's so awesome. there, there, there's good and bad with politics. Usually there's bad involved with politics, but, you know, we'll chalk it up as, hey, I'm happy. Uh, one, of, one of the interesting things you, you address a little bit on your website is um, you said I wasn't interested. I forget exactly how you said it, said it but I wasn't really interested in politics. Definitely not um, you know, race and ethnicity and those kind of things. But talking to people, being around people, you kind of grew into an interest in that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, we, we're, we're hearing so much about you know, ethnicity and politics and voting demographics and those kind of things. Right. How, how did you grow into caring about that? Well, look, I mean, I, I've always been politically savvy to some degree. Never was involved in politics up until like a, a 2000, well, I would say 2007, let's just say. Um, but <clears throat> look, and so as I got more involved, I started realizing uh, what the intricacies of politics. Politics is not just elections on every two years or every yeah. year, whenever yeah. your respective state or local elections are. And so I kind of liked it. I kind of, I'm a big mouth and I'm very uh, opinionated. <laughs> so it, it, it was a perfect vehicle for me to opine what I had to say and what I felt like yeah. saying and then uh, we started a political website called The Shark Tank which is still run it's a conservative leaning and we were one of the very few uh, conservative bloggers if you would with the Michelle Malkins way back when and the Dana Lashes and we've all went our mm. separate ways but you know we still have ties to one another but we were well, now we're focusing on the Floridian is more um, it's conservative leaning but it's middle of the road so we try to report fairly with everyone even to Democrats so and I always tell Democrats, I have a lot of Democrat friends, elected officials, believe it or not, people like Debbie Wasserman Schultz, we get along. Uh, but they well. but they understand that we, we have a job to do and we report fairly, but they know that, hey, if that if that picture comes out of them, you know, topless on a beach somewhere, we have to report on that. And they know yeah. that we're going to report fairly. And that's given us, that's actually gave us, given us a lot more uh, conservative bona fides uh, with the mainstream media. So we, we, we have to work with them. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, you're in an interesting state. Um, uh, yeah. Recently had the opportunity to interview your uh, the Florida State CFO. Um, great Jimmy. perspective on, on what's happening, you know, from a kind of an economic standpoint in Florida. Um, but as a guy who lives in California, that's me. Most people listening to this don't live in Florida. Um, but, man, you're, you're governor, but on down the line, leading the charge in so many ways for the rest of us. Um Let's kind of start there if we can. Can you just give us maybe your perspective? You've been in Florida a long time. How things have changed um, in terms of, you know, what changes have happened, but then also the mechanisms for that. How did those changes come about? Uh, because that's what the rest of us need to answer and understand. Uh, how, how does that right. happen? How did we get to that place where well, Ron DeSantis is leading the charge on conservative family values in the United States? Well, listen, I, if you want to go that far back, let's go back to 2008, 2009, and the Tea Party movement, and the person who yeah. led the charge yeah. there, Senator Marco Rubio. Yeah, he that was the race in 2009, 2010. He was, it was David versus Goliath. He's he's he was he ran and beat the now the guy who's running against uh, Ron in the, for the governorship this year, Charlie Crist. When Charlie right. was Republican back then, Republican turned independent, turned Democrat later on, and so <laughs> right. that was the pivotal year because that year brought on this whole uh, up, uh, uprising, if you would, of conservatism. People got 
really upset over the fact that you know the Obama was what he was pushing through his agenda was not what Americans wanted. And that brought on change. And a couple of years later, you know, Ron DeSantis came by. And I remember I was Ron's very first interview. I remember wow. driving four and a half hours from Fort wow. Lauderdale to Jacksonville. I'm sorry, to mm. St. John's uh, County up by Jacksonville on the behest of a couple donor friends of mine who said, hey, we had this guy who was a mil- uh, military vet. We'd be, we'd be love for you to interview him. I'm like, what's his name? Like, Ron DeSantis. I'm like, never heard of him. He was a six-person <laughs> primary. And so yeah. I drove five hours straight. Wow. And I see this a pavilion in some uh, obscure park, and some guy, you know, looked like straight out of the military, Ron DeSantis. Right. So we kind of, you know, shot the excrement, if you would, there for a few minutes, and we did the video. And if you see the before and after, like where he is now to where he is back then, that interview is night and day. And let me just tell you, and over the years, him and I have grown to become good friends. I've covered him extensively when he was in the house. But you see, what where DeSantis is now is. You know, he's like kind of like what Trump did in 2016. He, he was saying what most Americans were, were, were thinking and they would agree to. DeSantis is doing the same. and has always done that through Congress. He just never had the platform he has now to say these things because right. he was in the well, right. he was Freedom Caucus. He was we we're putting stuff out there. He was saying he was, doing, he was right on all the issues. He's always been right on the issues. So what you see now and what America sees now in Ron DeSantis some of us who know him very well and covered him early, early on and throughout his career, this is who he is. He's as genuine as Donald Trump is genuine to, to his brand. So this is not DeSantis just trying to use this platform to make a name for himself because he's trying to be someone that he wants to be, say, run for president, if you would. But this is who Ron DeSantis is. He is, he is more of a, uh, a recluse, if you would. And he's mm. a friend of mine. His, and he sticks to his family. He's a family-oriented guy. Yep. On the weekends, you can't catch him. You can't text mm. him. You can't call him because he's with, he like with me, he's with his wife and three rugrats. Yeah. And, and on the weekends, he doesn't want to be bothered. And yeah. on Monday through Friday, he's all work. And, and uh, so that's kind of where he is. And that's kind of where America is because you see Ron now, and he is... He he speaks for me, and because that's who he is. I'm he's more about the, we're about a little bit. I'm a little bit older than he is, but what he says, these aren't talking ones. This is what he feels and believes. Yeah. And I can tell you this because when I interviewed him, and I've had a lot of private conversations with him over the years, this is what he's been thinking. Only now, like I said, he has a bigger platform. He's got a bigger bully pulpit to be able to express himself. Yeah. You have heard and seen most of the truth behind the events of January sixth. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And now you can visit Washington, D.C. on September 24th and join J6 Solidarity and their peaceful and patriotic event that will expose the entire truth of January 6th 
at our nation's capital, and not just what mainstream media has lied about. Join J6 Solidarity and their well-known guest speakers to discuss the wrongful arrest and incarceration of all the January 6th patriots. Hear what speakers like Salem Media's Dinesh D'Souza, Newsmax's Johnny Tobacco, Joe Altman, the host of conservative daily podcast, Professor David Clements, and many more have to say. This peaceful event will take place on September 24th in Washington, D.C., next to the Federal District Court. For all the details, go to our new website, the letter J, the number six, solid.com. That's j6solid.com. Don't have your head in the sand. Learn the truth. Go to j6solid.com now. Thank you for your time, your patriotic loyalty, and as always, God bless America. When he became the governor, it was a very narrow margin. Um, didn't win by a lot. It wasn't a landslide. He certainly yeah. didn't have the, the popularity that he has now. Uh, going into this new governor's race, uh, Chris is running against him. Um, first of all, is there any chance that Chris wins? And second, <laughs> um, when we look at Ron DeSantis, I mean, he seems like a superstar to me. He seems like people in Florida consider him kind of a superstar. They're very thankful for him. How, how, did, how did it go from a narrow win to this bigger-than-life character that he is now? What, was the, what, what took place there that made that happen? Trump. Yeah. Trump's endorsement set him apart from his other opponent, and that's what won him the race. And, and I can say this because I was privy to a lot of the inside baseball. His campaign was on the rocks later on. In, uh, in the in that in the election cycle, Trump came and helped him out, but he narrowly won, as you pointed out. He narrowly beat Andrew Gillum, who we now know. We actually broke the story of <laughs> Gillum in the hotel yeah. room, yeah. Uh, because four hours later, we got the cease and desist from his attorney saying that it was him. <laughs> he, the, the attorney confirmed it was him. Right. So our right. story, I'm like, yeah, we just said right. it looks like him, but the attorney confirmed that. But uh, back to Ron is that he narrowly won because most people didn't know him. That year, 2018, was a Democrat swing year, a Democratic yeah. midterm. Yeah. So we, we, we knew it was going to be tight. We didn't think it was going to be that tight, but he prevailed. And now it's, you know, what happened with COVID, Ron was able to implement what he was thinking, what he wanted uh, Florida to look like, and here we are. What he's doing is what most Americans, I think most Floridians, would want to see done only in the past. Uh, people like Governor Chris, who was a Republican, and maybe Rick Scott to some degree, Kind of, you know, they went, to, they got to a certain place where they were complacent, or they were happy with how the country, how the country, the state was being run. But again, Rick Scott didn't have to deal with COVID, and COVID brought upon these other issues like the lockdowns, the mass mandates, yep. the shutdowns. I yep. mean, th- th- that was unheard of. And Ron just, uh, he just, you know, reacted how he reacted, who he is. And it kind of, I go, I always tell people, reporters, I'm like, yeah, that's just Ron. That's how he, I've always yeah. known he'd be. He's, he's against all kind of government intrusion. He's against any kind of, uh, of government interference. He's just flexing his muscles. That's all. So in, in a state like mine, um, we have a terrible governor. Uh, <laughs> um, Gavin Newsom's horrible on just about every level. I mean, He's got he's, good hair, though. He, so here's the crazy thing, right? If you think about a politician that you'd like to put up in front of people, he's the guy. Like, we're really proud of how he looks. It's when he starts talking that we have a lot of problems. Um, but I, as a Californian who am conservative, I live in a very conservative community here in Murrieta, California. Um, I'm a strong proponent of changing politics in a state 
in, in the country from the bottom up. So I advocate for getting involved in school board elections, getting involved right. in your city council, getting involved in you know, your, your homeowners association, whatever. Get involved at a local level because that will, will change things on the way up. That's what I hope will happen. That's how I you know, kind of preach to other people. But what we've seen in Florida is almost the opposite of that, right? Governor DeSantis becomes the governor and things begin to change downstream. So because of his leadership, we're seeing, you know, things change in schools and things change in communities and conservative politicians now having a voice where they didn't before. When, when you look at that, is, is, is that the model that we need to focus on leaders like Governor DeSantis? We need to have, you know, obviously we need good governors, but people like me, should I be focused more on the top or should I continue to work from the bottom? What's the lesson to be learned from the last couple of years of, you know, Florida's political scene? Well, look, like you said, it, it, it started with DeSantis, and I think what Ron's doing, and, what, and just what recently did, he just overturned the, the Broward, Public, Broward County uh, School Board right. and, and right. put, put, and put uh, four people in place, one of them being a good friend of mine. And he every, every school board candidate he backed in the state of Florida won their primary elections. Yeah. You see, that's, he, he, set the, he, he broke ground here. So now what he's, he's smart to realize, hey, you know what? We start. We have to. We have to build up a farm team. Democrats have always done it. Republicans have never done it. So it's true. You start at the school board level because school board level, those guys, a lot of those guys turn out to be state reps, state senators, and eventually members of Congress. Yeah. So why not yeah. start there? And to your point, uh, uh, you know, homeowner association. You know, you got to start somewhere. You know, yeah. you gotta you gotta start somewhere. Uh, you know, Senator Rubio be, became. Uh, was a uh, city commissioner of this podunk little city called West right. Miami. I think <laughs> right. him and his family made up a half the city. <laughs> but but <laughs> he, that got him the footing to run for state, state rep and eventually Speaker of the House, and now he's a U.S. senator. So in states like California, states like uh, other liberal states, we, we could go down the list, do we have to have a Ron DeSantis before change can be made, or are there lessons to be learned from Florida where we can? Can we make an impact from the bottom up? Is it the long game? What, what's the lesson for someone like me? Well, look, unfortunately, someone like you who lives in a state like California or other people live in Vermont or, or New York, you're going to be stuck with, with a progressive, uh, liberal, progressive governor. Uh, so, you know, you can't, don't hold, hold your breath on that, you having a Republican governor in those states anytime soon. Right. So you're going to have to start from the bottom up. You know, you're yeah. going to have to start, you know, at the ground level in state, city council, county uh, a yeah. school board and hope to affect change in that regard you know and 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 see from there because look i mean when did you ever see you think you'll ever see a, another republican governor i mean last time was in, in california yeah. last one it was schwarzenegger yeah. and he yeah. was barely a republican right <laughs> unless we get another schwarzenegger probably not right um, right i mean i'm still uh, i'm still hoping the the division happens where every year it seems like a new ballot initiative to split our state up but i don't think it's going to happen but um yeah short of that i don't think it's going to happen so the encouragement is get involved locally if you can um or move to florida (laughs) or or move to florida i've been encouraged to move to florida many times uh, or texas but um i do love my community what's funny about california in particular and this is what drives me crazy and this is why i ask questions like this there are so many conservative people in California. The Central Valley right. is, you know, it's farmers and ranchers and dairy farmers. Um, where I live, very conservative, uh, very conservative community. I live in California's Riverside County. We have Sheriff Chad Bianco, uh, very, very conservative 
sheriff, very conservative county, and yet the the seat of power, you know, because of numbers, it controls everything that happens here. Um, one of the things that's a big conversation here, and I'm sure in Florida as well, is the Hispanic vote. And right. that's something that you spend time talking about and thinking about, you've written on. Uh, I've talked to a number of folks who, who have communicated to me that although the Democrats have long thought they held the Hispanic vote, that that's changing. Uh, so my first question is, do you see that changing? And um, if so, how conservatives, how can conservatives communicate better with those in the Hispanic community? Well, that's, trend, that's been a trend for uh, since 2008, 2000. I've seen it. You know, and, and again, it's been messaging or lack of messaging from the Republican Party that has put us where we are now. Now, you know, look, you know what's really driven Hispanic uh, engagement now has been socialism. <laughs> Remember, right, uh, right, Hispanics, right. for those like my parents are, are Colombian-American, and look what happened to Colombia yeah. just a few months ago. We have a socialist president down there. So yeah. people in, in, in their respective banana republics, where they come from, these, these Central and South American countries in the Western Hemisphere, they know what it, li- it is to, to live through socialism, communism. So when you try to push that garbage on here in the U.S., these yeah. Hispanics are, are perking their ears, are perked up. They, they know what it's like, and they, they're, they're voting against it. They're, they're speaking out against that ideology because they know what it's like. I mean, I don't know. I've, yeah. I've been to Venezuela even before Chavez yeah. and and, <laughs> right. and and Maduro, and it it sucks, you know. And I've been to the Central American country. They suck because yeah. with they, what they and, and that's why people want to come to this country. They don't want to come here to uh, to and, and, and involve themselves in socialism. They they believe in capitalism. That's why they 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 look to migrate to this country legally or illegally. But they, they're leaving that socialism ideology behind. They're not, they don't want to come to it. So when they come here and they're eligible to vote, this is the, the, what, this is the opportunity that Republicans, conservatives have is to reach out to them, engage them, say, listen, hey, I'm Hispanic or I'm not, and I can relate to you because yeah. we know where you come from and what, what you have endured in your respective countries. And this is not the way it is in the U.S. And for elected officials to point that out, that is key. And Democrats have been pointing out that, not that, but they've been pointing out, hey, you come here, here's a nice block of government cheese for you, and here's another yeah. arepa to go with it. You know, so yeah. they've been, and, and Hispanics have been, you know, especially along the southwest border, and you can see it there in Riverside County, they're coming in for economic prosperity, and the Democrats yeah. have been smart enough to, you know, open the fridge for them and say, hey, you can have what you want as long as you vote Democrat. But now a new style, a new voter, a lot of Venezuelan, Colombian, Cuban, especially Nicaraguan, Ecuadorian, Brazilian voters, especially here in South Florida and growing in the, into the in the I four corridor, Orlando, which is very important. A lot of them, even the Puerto Ricans, are realizing that the bigger threat to the U S. is socialism and democratic socialism, which is spawned here in the U S. by a lot of these members of Congress, especially obviously the the, the squad, if you would. And they're pushing yep. back against it. A lot of them don't have a vote, uh, vote yet, but they will in the coming years. And you yep. see what happened in uh, 2020. President Trump won Florida. They rejected two Democrats in a very heavy Hispanic, very heavy Hispanic congressional district in Miami because of socialism. One of those congressional Democrats, uh, um, uh, Representative Shalala, even said she admitted to being a pragmatic socialist. She was done then. And that's what they're running on now. Even this two years later, they've doubled down in Florida, and it's going to lo- it's going to be a losing year again for them. And and look at we're going to pick up a couple seats 
in Florida, and you see that trend across the country now. Maybe not so much in, in California or New York, but you know there there's there's hope that you know more Hispanics are catching on and, and yeah. seeing the, the the smoke and mirrors that Democrats and progressive have put in front of them to blind them from from the reality of what the right ideology really stands for. You uh, you write a lot on uh, the state of Texas as well and Texas right. politics. Um, are you concerned at all with the political situation in Texas? I have a lot of friends there. Uh, the organization that I work for, our headquarters is in Texas. I spend a lot of time there. And uh, Texas politicians seem much less confident about their hold on Texas as a conservative or red state uh, right. than they once were. Are you concerned at all? Well, yeah. I mean, it's like with Florida. I mean... It, a couple of years ago, Texas and Florida were both considered purple states. Now Florida is becoming more of a red state. Now, that's I don't want to blame that on Abbott not doing much for the state and, and doing yeah. what DeSantis is doing. Because DeSantis, I mean, if, if, if the truth is, Abbott was his, when, when in his primary last year, he was not doing well. It wasn't until right. he started copying everything Ron DeSantis yeah, did right. that no, he started right. surging right. in the polls. Yeah. So yeah. now may, maybe he should copy what Ron DeSantis is doing moving forward to get people to register as Republicans. Because if you look at the amount of Republicans registered to vote in, te- in Florida, it's like by the, end, by, the, by the time the dust settles, you're going to have over two to 300,000 more Republican voters in Florida wow. than Democrats. Wow. Texas uh-huh. has to wake up and do the same there because they're getting just as many immig- uh, immigrants, I'm saying immigrants, migrants from other states, from California, yeah. from Colorado, yeah. from yeah. Arizona, going to Florida, Texas. Now, look what happened in the border region. It's possible. Myra Flores, a good friend of mine, I was just down at the border prior weeks before her, her win, and there's, they're galvanized down there. These Mexican-Americans are galvanized because one of their, one of them won this, this congressional seat in a special election, but nonetheless, it was a win. And so there's, we have to look at people like Myra Flores who can actually relate to a lot of these vote, in voting demographics or increased voting demographics and portray that same conservative message as, hey, you know, this is who we all are. I'm one of yeah. you. And that's, that works. Now, the other members of Congress or elected officials in Texas that aren't have, that are a little concerned, like, like you said, that the state could flip to Democrat. Well, you know, that's on them. If they're not going to, if they're not going to do what they have to do and maybe influence the state legislature and the governor to register more Republicans than Democrats, get those independents yeah. to become Republicans, that's on them. It's not on us. When I was talking to uh, Jimmy Petronas last week, I asked him yeah. if he was concerned about the migration to, you know, Texas is a lot of it, Idaho, Florida's huge. Um, does that concern you at all, people coming from states like California and other states? Well, what concerns me is the, is our, our, our home prices have gone up. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it's kind of like, <laughs> right. it's like, you know, in the track, you see the traffic, you know, we welcome them because, hey, we know that they're leaving oppressive yeah. states. I get that. Right. But, you know, the trap, the congestion here is like, uh, listen, uh, some of us who've lived here pretty much all their lives, we <laughs> see the change. We welcome them. And it were, before, at first, we're thinking, or at least I was thinking, that a lot of these voters were going to be Democrats and, and, you know, and flip the state, if you would. Right. But it appears right. that a lot of these Repu- they're Republicans because mm. they're registering at record pace. Yeah. And I they're mean, fleeing I, states where they don't have a voice. They're fleeing yeah. states like, like your beloved California. Right. You know, I love California. It's beautiful, but <laughs> right. we don't want to live there. You spend five hours on the on uh, on the on the 101 in, in Southern California just to go two miles. It's not happening. 
So yeah, you just look, never leave your studio. You're fine. Just never leave the studio. Yeah, listen, I, I used to live in California, and believe me, I I dread ever going back. I go there and I, and I try to avoid L.A. I, I go to the outskirts, Sequoia, Yosemite, Lake Tahoe. That's yeah. kind of where my family goes. But yeah, there, there's a there should be a concern for Texans and even states like Georgia, who've all been historically mm. red, if you would. And I think because a lot of these Republicans establishment, if you would, have taken it for granted. Now they're seeing right, there's correct. a big influx of Democrat voter registration. Now they're trying to counter it a little too late, maybe, but I think there's still a chance for them to uh, you know, get up off the couch and, and register more Republicans, but that's still a heavier lift for them. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream bed sheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they are all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-870-0283. Use the promo code SITREP or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. Uh, as we look at look past the midterms, I want to come back to the midterms in just a second. Yeah. But as we look to the presidential election, a lot of talk, a lot of conversation about President Trump or Ron DeSantis running. Um a lot of movement happening around President Trump right now. Uh, how, how do you see the 24 election unfolding? I know we're a ways out, but what, what perfect world, what would you see happening there? A lot of us are hoping, and don't tell anybody, I realize this is a show, but don't tell anybody. Uh, I'm really hoping that uh, Ron DeSantis runs. Um, I love President Trump. I love what he's done for the country. Uh, but I love a DeSantis administration. What, what's going to happen in the next couple of years as that shakes out? Well, well, I agree. Look, you know, I, I respect the president, President Trump. I've known him for a long time. Same with Ron. Ron's a friend. I refer to him as Ron. Yeah. Yep. You know, and um, look, in a perfect world, you would hope that President uh, Donald Trump gets reelected because, you know, I think he feels that he was of wronged course. in 2020. Of course. Yep. And he goes in there and he and he beats whoever the Democrats put up because I know it's not going to be Biden. Um, right, and so <laughs> right. that's great. But the problem with President Trump is so much. There's so much baggage behind him. Correct. That will it become um, a circus? Will it yep. simply be, hey, you know what? Make make it all about Trump and the FBI and the raid on Mar-a-Lago and yep. his past statements in January 6th. Whereas Ron comes in, they're still going to hit him, and they they're doing it now. That hey, he's a white supremacist. He's a racist. Yeah, right, he right. he's a, he's a mini Trump. All that stuff, and listen, you we hear so much here in Florida. I mean, a lot of these they're Can't just crazy, but what they what they saying is un, it's not true. So, look, in a perfect world, I'd love to see Ron, maybe even a DeSantis Trump ticket. But yeah, but at the end yeah. of the day, it, it's a wait and see. And again, the wait and see is waiting to see what Trump does. You know, if is Trump going to get involved? Because look, I've spoken to other members of the, of the elected official Republicans that have shown express interest in running for president. They said, hey. All bets are off until um, until uh, Trump decides what he's going to do. Yeah, right. So I think, uh, my opinion is, if I think that uh, um, President Trump does not run, Ron definitely gets in because Ron still has the bully pulpit of being a governor of yeah. Florida. 
Yeah. Uh, center Rubio is sitting center. Rick Scott is sitting center. All these guys are going to get in the race. Ted Cruz is going to get in the race. Um, so, you know, again, it, no matter how great Ron is, we, he still has to go through that process, the presidential primary process. And yeah. we all know how that works, going to Iowa, yeah. Yeah. New Hampshire, yeah. South Carolina. So, you know, maybe Ron's got a leg up on everyone, possibly, probably, um, because of what he's done in Florida and what he's done is, you know, nothing less than extraordinary. Um, but I think he would have the upper hand considering you know, all the polls that people have done. But again, primary seasons are primary seasons and the good and bad comes out of everyone. You know, you know, he's there's nothing I, I can't see anything that they can ding Ron on yeah. uh, simply because he's done such a great job in Florida and Republicans and conservatives love him. So to answer your question, yeah, why not? I would love to see a spirited primary race. Yep. But I also would like to see Donald Trump come in and be the presidential Donald Trump that we've always thought he yep. was and just clean everyone's clock and instill his policies, policies that worked for four years and now have been, uh, have, been, have been scrapped by the Biden administration and look where we are now. Do you think anything will come of the uh, Democrats' attempt to disqualify President Trump? Well, look, they're gonna. It's all bets are off with them. They're trying everything to discredit him. They're trying to hey, look. Th- this FBI thing is a last ditch effort to try to taint the primary election. Right. I'm sure they're gonna try everything from every state lawsuits, uh, you know, galore to it just to just to uh, to discredit him and destroy his his character because he's a threat to them. Regardless of what people say, regardless of Ron DeSantis and Senator Rubio and Ted Cruz. He, Ron, Donald Trump is the head of the Republican Party. He has a massive following. So yep. if he announces, and the Democrats are, are scrambling to find someone to replace Biden, because Biden does not have his, his faculties right. in place and right to, to run another campaign, um, I think the, 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 the wise thing for Democrats to do is to character assassinate the Democrat, uh, President Donald Trump because they have no other options. They yeah. have no other options. You yeah. can't compare the two administrations. You just can't. Right, right. Man, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, what are uh, some of your concerns or your big concern going into the midterm? Something that we should be looking at that maybe people aren't paying attention to? Well, in midterm, a couple of months, people are saying that, well, Florida Democrats are saying that there's a surge of Republicans, that Republicans may lose the Senate. Well, look, that's, it's always a possibility. Um, people are saying that Republicans are going to have huge gains in the House. I don't think it's going to be massive. I think maybe at least 20 uh, seats. Um, mm. But look, anything's, ha- anything's possible. There's always these October surprises. You don't know. Yeah. And, you know, Governor DeSantis is running against Charlie Crist, a known quantity. I see DeSantis winning that race, regardless of how, what, how much money Democrats throw in there, uh, by four to five points, maybe more. Same with Rubio. Even though they say Rubio's tied with Demings or just ahead a few points of Demings, Demings is a through and through progressive, and I think people see right through that. And I think Rubio wins by three or four points. But outside of that, I mean, there's I don't see any surprises in the midterm mm. um, outside of something catastrophic happening. Yeah. With to any particular candidate, I think the the House is is solidified. I think there's just that's just foregone conclusion. But as far as the Senate. Listen, we, you don't know what happens in these Senate races. You know, you have Portman yeah. uh, who's losing. You have look what hap- is happening in Pennsylvania. That Toomey held that seat. There's a lot of what ifs and a lot yeah. of maybes. So I think it's up in the air for the Senate. I think the House is etched in stone. But at least 
it could render even if we only hold the house, yeah. win the house, it'll definitely render Biden a lame duck moving into his last two years of his first term. Yeah. So um, that's how I see things. I don't, you know, I, I've been along on this game too long to re- to expect this is going to happen. I expect October surprises and yep. then some to happen yep. now through November. Yeah, it's a it's hard to conceive of what other surprise could possibly take place. It's been a crazy two years of surprises, one after another. But, um, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Uh, Javier, I really appreciate uh, your time yeah. and your insight. Where can people follow you and uh, certainly you know read the blog and the rest of it? Yeah, thank, thanks a lot for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Oh, they can, the, the website is called the Floridian, FloridianPress.com. They can follow me on Twitter at J-A-V Harris, Havman Harris on Twitter. Um, yeah, and they can message me there and they can message me on the website. Awesome. Javier Harris. thank you very much. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks. Yes, sir. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. They're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope. And that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed uh, social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went, and I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Grateful for that insight and that perspective. Uh, So much to be learned there. Uh, Javier does a great job of not only communicating this in person, as the interview uh, just indicated um, and demonstrated for us, but uh, writing on this and gathering stories about what's happening in Florida and elsewhere, FloridianPress.com. Go and check him out. Check that out. Uh, The work that they do there, just really talking about politics locally, but they also talk about politics nationally. And uh, that will be a help to you, I'm sure, as you consider what's happening across the country. Appreciate you listening. If you are listening and are not yet subscribed, now is the time to do that. Don't try to remember to do it later. Do it right now. You're listening somewhere. If you are exercising, 
stop your exercising for just a second, pull that phone out, subscribe. Maybe you're doing a chore around the house. Maybe you're driving. Whatever you're doing, uh, take a second to subscribe so that you know when this content comes out every uh, every couple of days, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you haven't taken time to go over to our YouTube channel, do that. Go to YouTube, search for The Situation Report. You'll find us there. And uh, we'd love for you to subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave us a comment, share that content out. That would all be awesome, helpful for us, helpful for the people you send it to. And uh, we know that uh, that'll be a help to them. Uh, we do this show, we provide this content so that truly you can look at the world around you and make sense of some of what's happening. And there are some great folks like Javier and many others who help us to do that. So I hope you'll subscribe on both platforms, YouTube and your favorite podcast platform. Again, thank you for watching. If you are watching, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.